So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. Season six, episodes two and three, moving right along. You know what I can't stop thinking about with these? What? The timeline of everything here. Like, these episodes, the ones we're watching, the very beginning of the season is the end of June, beginning of July 2011. Their wedding, Kim and Chris's, is August 2011. And by the end of the year, October 30th, 2011, they will have already filed for divorce. That is crazy, absolutely. But it is also crazy seeing them on the screen, how they are now. I know he was only on this episode for a total of, let's say, three minutes. But they're so clearly in the beginning phase of their relationship. Like, I cannot believe these two people are the same ones that get married in a few months. I can believe they're the same ones that get divorced, but I can't believe they're the same ones that get married. I can't believe the Kim then, the Kim that married Chris Humphreys is the same Kim that thought to put Lucia and Mia in a Valentine's Day skims campaign. No, please, can we talk about that? Because the ad came out as we were editing Monday's episode, and we were like, all right, we're not going to go back on and do another segment. We'll just talk about it on Wednesday's episode. But I need to talk about it because I can't get over it. I can't get over it, and I cannot get over the level of validation that I feel on a personal level to the way that the internet across the board so positively responded to this. Because this was one that you can't fight. Whether you want to say that it was Kim's idea, it was her marketing team, it was something that she had no idea about, and then she just signed off on it last minute. Wherever your belief lies in terms of her involvement, this was still objectively a brilliant idea that she ultimately signed off on. And forget about how validated I felt on her behalf. For Lucia and Mia, what a day. I love that we can only refer to them by character. (laughs) I was so confused when I saw their tags with their real names. I was like, that is fully Lucci and Mia. Who are you guys talking about? That's like when you watch a TV show. There are some times where the character is just forever going to be the character. No matter what they're in for the rest of their lives, I will just refer to them as Lucia and Mia. And then sometimes you have a character and they will forever just be the actor's name. Like Jennifer Coolidge, yes, she was Tanya, but she was Jennifer Coolidge. That is a really fun game, just going through a list of people and saying what they would be. When we were watching The Undoing, Nicole Kidman was Nicole Kidman. I couldn't even tell you her character's name if my life depended on it. Every day I had to consciously remind myself that her name was Grace. Where'd you pull Grace out of? (laughs) I know. I remember the weirdest shit, right? Can't remember what I had for breakfast. The memory on this girl. I'll tell you. It's something else. (laughs) Oh, 
I don't know how people feel about this, but to me, Ben Stiller is always Ben Stiller. I think except for in Meet the Fockers because it was such a vital part of the movie. Or Meet the Parents and then Meet the Fockers. People are going to say Zoolander, but I don't know. To me, I just always view him as Ben Stiller. I know, I know. What's one where a character will always be a character? Harry Potter. Like, honestly, London Tipton. That's not Brenda's song. No, that's London Tipton. You're so right. Honestly, Zach and Cody, it it took me a really long time to, like, be able to differentiate the fact that Dylan and Cole had their own names. Like, they're Zach and Cody. Cole, I was maybe more able to come to terms with because it's so similar to Cody. Dylan, I was like, where'd you make this shit up? Where'd you pull that from? (laughs) That's exactly how I felt. Wait, wait, Em, don't forget that we have a game to play that we made. (laughs) I thought you forgot. Okay. You're talking about the Skims game? Yes. Okay. So yesterday when Julie and I were sitting on the couch doing the edits for Monday's episode and the Lucia Mia Skims campaign dropped, I turned to her and I was like, let's each come up with people that we think would be great pairings for a future Skims campaign, not Valentine's related. And I totally forgot that we both wrote them down. You want to go popcorn style? Yes. Do you want me to start or you want to start? No, you start. Okay. The first one I have on my list is Drake 21 Savage Boyfriend Collection. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. You think Drake would ever? Um, I, I kind of do. I don't think it's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Okay, my first was Paris and Nicole set. I had Paris and Nicole on my list. That's got to happen, right? How is it not? Okay, let me give you a second one that's totally different than Paris and Nicole, but equally as iconic, Jane Fonda and Sally Field, or just Jane Fonda. Oh my God. That would be Could a you really, really epic one. I yeah. want Jane Fonda to do, especially if, you know, she got more in touch with like the workout video days and <sighs> Kim had it said in that. Like to me, I think that that would be unbelievable. That would be good. Right? You want to know who's next on mine? Yes. All of Pete's exes. <laughs> that would be no fucking forget it. Could you imagine? And Kim gets to be in the campaign. Like, what could be better than that? My next is Chris Maloney and Mariska Hargitay. Oh my God, M. No. I know these are almost too good. I know. Like she's got. She's got to do something with these. My next one is a Nepo Baby campaign where it's like Reese and Ava, Apple and Gwyneth, Diana and Tracy Ellis Ross. Ooh, Diana and Tracy Ellis Ross. Even just alone like a would really be unbelievable. I- yeah, like a really iconic Nepo Baby one. Yeah. Cindy and Kaya. Not a double feature for Kaya. Uh, you know what? Give her all the Skims campaigns. I think a sibling one where they do Serena and Venus, number one. And second of all, one where she does just a a throwback era. So for example, the cast of Laguna Beach. Imagine Kristen Cavallari and Stephen Coletti posing together in a Skims campaign. Do you know how much we would all lose it? Lose it. Tyler Cameron would probably lose it. Yeah. (laughs) He's been lost it. I only have one more on my list. Hemi. It's a Skims Nobu collab and it's... A campaign with every girl that Scott has ever taken to Nobu. 
Yes. <laughs> that is right? better than P-Texas. Yes, that is so funny. And like in it, there's a, a plate of crispy rice to the side. It would have to look kind of like that New Yorker um, cover where it was like all spread out on the street because it wouldn't be in, like there wouldn't be enough room to put them into like one small photo shoot. Like they'd have to be spread out over like a New York City block. Would Scott be anywhere in this, like even off to the side or he's completely removed? You know what? I think it's better without him. I think it's more iconic without him. I agree. There are so (laughs) many possibilities. And that's why these are so fun. Like, you know, obviously this one drummed up a reaction that not every single one in the past has. But there have been ones in the past that I've looked at and I've been like, this is incredible. Like Snoop's entire family. That was such an incredible idea for a campaign. Snoop's family was great, especially because they don't typically do things like that, all of them together. I think, though, one of my probably top three favorites was Tayana and Iman Shumpert. That was a good one. Oh, you know what else would be such an epic one? Like mm. the old Gossip Girl cast. Imagine if Blake and Layton did a recreation of the photo where they're eating the ice cream cone. That could be one of the best ideas I've ever heard. Wait, she has to do that. Can someone tell this to Kim? I mean, I know that to get Blake to do that, like it would probably take some convincing, but if she could do that, that would break the internet in a way this Lucia and Mia one couldn't even dream of, I think. Wait, we didn't say uh, the other parameters of this game is that we were only allowed to think about it for 10 minutes. Like if we really came to the table, if we made this an official presentation as if we were like presenting to a brand, which by the way, maybe we should now that I'm talking about it, let's get Isabel on the case. and Let's make him a deck. Because if we really had time to think these through, I feel so confident in some of the ones that we could come up with. Like really, really epic ones. This is such a fun game. Also, the way that I feel about all of this is like, Let's just call it a night and put Lindsay Lohan in a Skims campaign because it feels very on par with her revival. I mean, would we ever in a million years get a Paris, Lindsay, Brittany Skims campaign? No, I don't think so. But I would be here for it in a second. Like the quote redo of the Bimbo Summit. Oh my God. Imagine the head, they they redid the headline, the Bimbo Summit. And it was- That's what I'm thinking too. And they're in the car. (sighs) Someone's got to talk to someone about this. I'm like overflowing with ideas. I know. I know. There's so many good ones that could be done. Wow. Wow. I okay. I, let's let's actually do this like in a formal PDF. I'm not kidding. Let's talk to Isabel about it and like make it – because I want to get specific. Like not just a pairing, like the Blake Layton example where we're actually recreating a specific cover or a specific moment. That's what we need more of. And also what the campaign would be for. Right. Okay. We have a lot of homework to do. Guys, everyone get to, get to thinking. Not, not us trying to give ourselves a job. Not us volunteering for skims. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I am one of those people where every year on Daylight Savings, having that extra hour of light in the evening just like completely transforms my mood. I feel like I am not me when it gets dark at 4 p.m., And obviously the flip side of that is that first morning after springing forward can be rough. So I want to tell you about something that can make it so much easier, so much more enjoyable. It's called Hatch. And Hatch can help you choose sleep, prioritize healthy habits, and then also make the time change transition seamless and enjoyable. 
So the Hatchery Store helps you build sleep habits that make your unwind and wake routines simple and enjoyable. So a phone-free bedtime, no matter what time of year it is, which again, is really a habit I'm trying to change this year, and this has very much helped it. And then with the Hatch Plus subscription, you can access the latest routine building features like Cue to Unwind, which signals you that it's time for bed, and Pillow Talk, which is kind of like your favorite shows or socials without the screen to keep you up. For me, that's like such a wonderful feature because it helps me unwind, but not in a way that feels unnatural. It's kind of like the benefit I get from scrolling my phone without scrolling my phone. And then waking up in the morning is just so much more peaceful. Like I don't think it's good to wake up to that jarring alarm sound. So to have kind of an easy wake up, I've just really enjoyed my morning so much more. Right now, Hatch is offering our listeners $20 off your purchase of the Hatchery Store and free shipping at hatch.co slash cbc. Visit hatch.co slash cbc to get $20 off and free shipping. Hatch.co slash cbc. Okay. So one thing about me, I'm going to get my food delivered. It kind of just falls under the general umbrella of convenience, which as we know, is a core principle of my life. And I've been a DoorDash user for a while now, as I'm sure many of you are, but I specifically want to talk to you about DashPass because it's kind of really the way you get the most from delivery, which as a side note, if you use code CBC24, you can get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for DashPass. But let's zoom in for a second on what DashPass is. Basically, it's the most affordable way to get anything in your area delivered to your door. So it's helping you save money and time with every DoorDash order. And number one, $0 delivery fees and lower service fees on eligible orders. So it makes it really easy to save on groceries, retail items, restaurants, all of your local favorites that deliver on DoorDash. And then this is the thing that really sold me. DashPass pays for itself on average in two orders. So it makes delivery even more worth it. Plus, DashPass gives you special access to exclusive promotions, member-only menu items, all for only $9.99 a month. Get more from delivery for less. Sign up for DashPass today only on DoorDash. Use code CBC24 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for DashPass. Subject to change, term supply. Not to say that either of these episodes have so many individual things to analyze, but both of them were very memorable. Like you don't forget Kim taking Kensal to New York for modeling and you don't forget Kris Jenner trying to change her last name. What about Kim getting butt x-rays to prove she didn't get butt implants? Right. Like that to me, we watched that scene for the first time, what, 12 years ago? And I felt like I just watched it yesterday. I feel as though we're in the golden age of keeping up with the Kardashians. We are right on the cusp of when they're about to be like more famous than they could even imagine. So like it's the incredible amount of fame that they've amassed paired with the fact that they're not quite that famous yet. So they can still be on the trashier side of things. Like they don't have to worry as much about the image that they're putting out at this point. Right. They're starting to become more and more image conscious here, but they're not at the point in this season where it's stopping them from their ability to kind of just fuck around. And also, this is the part that I always find the most interesting. Just if you look at it from a wealth perspective, of course, they're very successful, but not even a a fraction of where they're at now. Like I still think at this time, Chris's house to them, that big of a home was a very big deal to have in the family. Whereas now, like that's a guest house for them. Right. Okay. Like take Scott and Courtney's house, for example, in this season, it was such a beautiful home. Like I remember really, really loving that house that they were in, but there's a scene where Scott and Chris are outside 
And their pool is like very small. It almost looks more like a koi pond than a pool in that house. And I said to you, I cannot even fathom that there was a time where they had a pool like that rather than just like a monstrosity. Like the fact that they had this home that was just a really nice house rather than like a fucking estate is like, it's really crazy to wrap your head around. No, I know. And it's a concept that we talk about a lot because obviously as they've gotten more and more successful, what then becomes their new baseline for the materialistic aspects in their lives only raises, but clearly so does ours in terms of what we expect from them. Not that like we're looking at it from a judgmental lens, but they have just gotten us so accustomed to a certain type of living that you look at this and objectively the house that Courtney and Scott were living in in this season was beautiful. Like for anyone else, it's absolutely beautiful. But if Scott told us that he was moving into that house today, we would be like, wow, so he must be having some serious financial issues. Meanwhile, it's like a gorgeous house in, in LA. It's just, they've just set the bar to such an unreachable and unrealistic height. And we've all gotten stuck like in that with them. Right. And on top of the way the wealth has grown exponentially, what's so fun about these seasons is that you watch the fame grow season by season. Each season, they are just a little bit more famous than they were the season before. And that was really on display here in terms of two things, I think, throughout these two episodes. One, watching the start of Kendall's modeling career. And two, When Chris is toying with the idea of going back to being a Kardashian and changing her name, it wasn't just because of the Kardashian brand. It was that the Kardashian brand and the Kardashian name had become more recognizable than the Jenner name. And the Jenner name was at one point one of the most famous names in the entire world. That's what Caitlin says during that episode where she's struggling with the fact that Chris is kind of claiming that she wants to do this where Caitlin's like at one point after the Olympic games, everyone in the entire world knew Jenner and now they know Kardashian. I know. And in retrospect, I know this is the second episode that we'll get into. It's unbelievable just how overt Chris was in her reasoning. Like there was no subtlety there. She really was saying, yeah, you know what? I rode that one for a while. And I think that now the tides have changed and I'd like to latch onto this. You know, like maybe she made a little bit of the side argument that People already mistake her for saying Chris Kardashian. She may as well just make it easier. But it was really more so, this is where the relevance is, baby. And <laughs> that's what I'm going with. Like, I almost had to applaud uh, her kind of bluntness. We talk a lot about how Chris really softened once she had grandchildren in her life. And as more and more grandchildren came, the softer she kind of got. I also think that the trauma of the divorce with Caitlyn softened her a lot too. I think that that time period really made her put things into perspective. Yeah. And we can talk about this more when we do that episode, because I have a lot to say on that. I think the overwhelming thought, and I said this to you because we were watching the episodes together, was like, in retrospect, I can't believe it took them this long to get divorced. I've felt that way since the first episode. Yeah. We can save it, but I feel like if you guys are watching along with us, you may have that same thought. Anyway, so episode two is centered around Kendall's modeling journey. It's the one where she's given this opportunity to go to New York. Chris can't take her. And Kim is like, listen, she can't miss this. I'll happily take her. So Kim takes Kendall to New York. They stay at the Empire Hotel, which such a throwback to see them staying there now where religiously, at least Kim is only at the Ritz-Carlton on Central Park South. But you know, this is when we get Kendall's Sherry Hill campaign, which I remember watching this at the time and thinking – this was the coolest thing. Because growing up, when we were like around bat mitzvah age, Sherry Hill was all the rage. Oh my God, Sherry Hill, Jessica McClintock. 
That's what I'm saying. And I remember being like, wow, Kendall for Sherry Hill. That is iconic. The way that I felt about that is the way that I felt about Lucci and Mia for Skims. M? Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, the, the major part about this episode, obviously there's the little tiff between Kendall and Kim and Kendall feels like Kim is working here too hard and any of that. It's all so dramatized and honestly probably was kind of dramatic at the time. But the thing that I can't get over is this is a prime example of how early on we saw Kim following in Chris's footsteps in a way that none of the other siblings ever did or ever will. And it wasn't just about pushing Kendall into this, you know, new realm of fame. It wasn't just about like, okay, you're doing this modeling, but I want you to do runway and I'm going to say yes no matter what because I need you to be working. It was also the approach to fame. Like Kendall was a 15-year-old. She was whiny. She was moody. She was a teenager at the time. She didn't want to be doing the thing that Kim was pushing her to do. And Kim the entire time is exactly as she would be now, which is do not be rude. This is someone else's time. You need to act like a professional. You need to act like you want to be here. You need to put your all into this. And it's so funny seeing that work ethic being almost forced on Kendall in the beginning of her career to then watch what it would become partially because of Kim. And also the contrast of what we were just talking about in the last season of the Kardashians with with Kim being the one to be in Milan with Kendall and the contrast to them now at one of Kendall's first big modeling things. It's actually funny you say that because I was thinking to myself that if I was watching this as Kim or Kendall, I would be so aware of how sweet of a moment that is now where, you know, Kim took her to her first ever real modeling gig outside of LA. And now in Milan, when Kendall's walking for Prada, Kim is the other family member there that's kind of like her security blanket bringing her pasta to the hotel room. You know, it's just like, wow, we, we really did the damn thing. I know. And you know what else a good contrast is, which this made perfect sense at the time. She was 15 years old. But to see how excited Kendall was to be in New York and how it was so suffocating for her to have to work and be in the room because she never got to be there. And so all she wanted to do was explore versus now where Kendall has just been everywhere in the world, partially on her own, but partially for modeling. The contrast, you know what it is, Em? The contrast of Kendall wanting to explore New York so badly to now saying that her first two times in Dubai were horrible, but this time with the Beyonce and the opening of the Atlantis, the Royal was was a much better experience for her. Right, right. It's like you watch that and these episodes will humble you real quick. It's it's the perfect how it started versus how it's going. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, I just think that Kim had a vision for Kendall that obviously Kendall couldn't have at the time. She was 15. But I don't even think that Chris could have at the time because Chris, it's not like Chris said to Kim, I can't go on this. Will you go for me? Chris was unhappy about it, but she was willing to say, you know, we're just going to have to pass this one up because I really can't make it work. Whereas Kim is like, she's given this opportunity. We have to make it work. And even when they're at Sherry Hill and Sherry Hill herself, which by the way, when I saw this for the first time in 2011, I was like, wow, royalty is among us. Um, but when Sherry Hill asks Kendall if she wants to do the runway show and without even consulting with Kendall, Kim immediately says yes. Like she, you're right when you said like her approach to fame, she treated this all as such a business in a way. Yes, Chris did, but like no one else did. Well, you know, what was so interesting is when Kendall is saying to Kim, you're projecting right now and it cuts to Kendall in confessional and she's saying, 
you know, Kim is only doing this because Kim wanted to be a runway model and she was told she's too short. So she's putting all of her hopes and dreams onto me right now. It was very much like, son, you're giving up your dream. No, dad, I'm giving up yours. <laughs> yes, it was very high school musical-esque. Although she wasn't entirely wrong. Like Kim was, I would say, primarily doing it because she believed that Kendall really had a gift and she knew how far this could go, which as we've seen it, it has. But I do think there was a part of her that was like, if I was in your shoes and I so badly wish that I could be, I would be doing it like this. So this is how you need to do it. She wasn't entirely off base for that. No, I don't think so either. And I think that it wasn't like she just looked at Kendall and was like, you have all of the makings of a model. I'm going to force you into this. I want you to do something that I couldn't do. Kendall was obviously showing interest in it. And because Kendall on her own was starting this modeling career, I think Kim really latched herself onto that. But I do think a huge reason why Kim was more of almost like a stage mom to Kendall than she was to Kylie is because she was able to connect more with the desires of what Kendall was doing at the time in comparison to the fact, which is actually funny that it's Kylie that follows in her footsteps much more closely. I just think that at the time that Kylie started to really become Kylie in her King Kylie era with Tumblr and Snapchat, that wasn't a medium that Kim was familiar with. And so in the same way that Kim became famous for being a reality star and for being Paris Hilton's friend and for being kind of social media savvy in the early days of social media, Kylie was doing that, but in a way that Kim didn't even recognize. Right. It was like the career path that she envisioned for Kendall was more, quote, traditional. And it was one that she kind of felt had a blueprint and she was excited to follow that through. I also think though, you know, when Kim talks now about being front row at these runway shows and how it really does feel like a dream and not that you don't believe her, but she's been doing it for so long at this point that it's like, of course she's going to be there. These seasons are the ones that you have to watch to understand why she is so taken aback when she's sitting front row at the Prada show in Milan. You know, like it was it was the Kim that idolized the idea of fashion and runway modeling and high fashion specifically, not the Cherry Hill was high fashion. But I do think that it was something that she felt was so beyond her that when I watch these episodes, I understand now how she is like just fully mesmerized by the experience and that when she says it doesn't get old for her, it makes me believe her. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car, like a legendary Camry. Built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
What about the moment in the episode where Sherry Hill? I keep wanting to say Sherry Nicole, by the way. But I know. What about what about the part in the episode where Sherry Hill brings up the runway idea to Kendall and says, you know, we have this runway show on Monday, and Kendall starts to decline, and Kim jumps in and is like, she'll do it. But in the moment where Kendall's about to decline, she's like, well, I have cheer practice on Monday that I can't miss. And Kim's like, you can miss it. I am so glad you brought that up because that is a prime example of a concept we talk about frequently, but this is a concrete example of like Kim, Courtney, and Chloe and kind of Rob had their teenage years in a way that Kendall and Kylie never did. And I don't think it's something that Kendall and Kylie would give up in retrospect. Obviously it got them to where they are, but like Kim, if she hypothetically wanted to go out to cheerleading practice, there was nothing that was going to stop her. She really was able to live her youth for exactly the age that she was. And in some ways, Kendall and Kylie were forced to grow up so much more quickly. And that's not like a, a sob story. Obviously, look at where it landed them. I think they do it 10 times over. But it really is true. Like the, the difference in fame level at that time, it's incomparable. I mean, and to think about them being on reality TV and then also Monday showing up at Sierra Canyon. I mean, and I think about it now in comparison to LeBron James kids being at Sierra Canyon and like seeing them everywhere, all of their basketball highlights constantly all over the news, all over Twitter, all over social media, but then like having to kind of still navigate being normal kids. I mean, you know, I always, always say to you, I would watch a One Tree Hill OC All-American CW style show about Sierra Canyon in a heartbeat. Yeah. I mean, it's just the type of exposure and fame and wealth and celebrity that they are navigating in high school is something that it it feels unfathomable to your average person. And honestly, even unfathomable to some other celebrity children. Like there's just so much attention around, so much world, literally worldwide attention around like Bronny's games. I just, I don't think that that's the type of pressure that you know, your normal high school basketball player expects or maybe even can handle. I, I I, don't know. It's like, I don't think any of these kids would give it up. Obviously, they'd rather choose that than have that not be their reality, but it's got to be kind of strange. Yeah. I think about that a lot with like Noah Schnapp, for example, because he was such a normal kid while also doing Stranger Things. Like he was a lifeguard over the summer and not just like when the first season of Stranger Things came out. I mean, literally this season of Stranger Things after it aired that summer, he was had his parents made him get a job as a lifeguard. Like the contrast of like almost pulling off the Hannah Montana, Miley Cyrus thing, but there not being that separation of fame from the person is like, it's crazy to think about. It's something that as an average person, it's really hard to wrap your head around because I just, I, here's what I think it is. I could not imagine being famous and someone telling me to do math homework. Right, exactly. And you're confronted with this like super inflated sense of self-importance that maybe is over the top, but also is only reinforced by the way the rest of the world is reacting to you. Yet you have this other life that you also have to tend to. And like in Kendall's case, at the time, again, she wouldn't do it over, but at the time, like she wanted more than anything to just be able to go to cheerleading practice and have someone tell her to do her math homework. You know, like this, yes, this was her dream, but it was so overwhelming. She craved that normalcy. And this is at the very beginning stages. Like imagine now if they were in high school now, imagine, oh my God, it it hurts my brain to even think about. Right. And I mean, 
that's what you're starting to see now with this next generation of Kardashian kids. Think about it. They're all in school now. Mason's a teenager. He's 13 now. In a couple of years, you're going to really see, I mean, or maybe not because he seems to stay away from the cameras, but there is going to continue to be that side of him that struggles with the idea of really just wanting to be a normal kid and the knowledge of knowing that based on his family, he's not. No, and I do wonder the amount to which someone like a Mason craves normalcy. You know, like having a real acknowledgement of he's only afforded the life he's afforded because of not having it, but also at times how badly he does want it. I don't know. We will never the, – the type of fame that the Kardashian kids are growing up with is something that Kendall and Kylie could have never even fathomed. Like as we're talking about it now, we're saying, wow, it must be so weird for Kendall and Kylie as compared to Kim, Chloe, and and Courtney. Like forget Kendall and Kylie. They're, they're no, they are not even known in comparison to like a Northwest. Well, and also this is actually really interesting to think about. Think about Courtney, Kim, Chloe, and Rob – at school during the OJ trial. No, I know. It's a really wild thing to think about Kim going to high school while all of that was going on. I mean, if you look at, you know, the Kardashian kids, the Jenner kids, and then all of the grandkids, it's only just been a straight upwards trajectory of their exposure. It's not like, to your point, even before the Kardashians became famous for being the Kardashians, they still were known for being Rob Kardashian's kids and Caitlyn Jenner's stepkids. So like they started at a base level. It's, it's just, they just didn't realize how, how that was going to then transform for their kids. It's a really hard concept to wrap your head around. Yeah. It's one that I don't envy. No, me either at all. In terms of the rest of this episode, we see Chris Humphreys come to the hotel room to see Kim and she just is so excited to see him. Like, runs, jumps out, jumps on him. He picks her up. He brings her into the room, like throws her over his shoulder. I'm just like, really? This guy? Like, This is the one that you're running and jumping to? <laughs> I can't imagine it. I know, but it's also because we know his personality now. But there was, a, there was a slight second during this episode where he picked her up, threw her over his shoulder, and brought her into the bedroom where I was like, I can understand how you'd marry the guy that that lifts you up and throws you over his shoulder like that. <laughs> well, I said to you, I was like, yeah, he may be an asshole, but he's fucking hot. He was. He totally was. I mean, he was a knockoff Blake Griffin, but he was totally hot. I feel like makeup in general and specifically a daily makeup routine is so personal and that we've all kind of gotten down to a science, what works for us, what we need before we leave the house. like. Where do we feel our most comfortable? And for me, on a daily basis, I wear really, really minimal makeup. I actually think I feel the most comfortable with the least amount of makeup. But my two Holy Grail products always have been, I think always will be, are mascara and lip gloss. Maybe a little highlight on the inner corner if I'm feeling crazy. But honestly, whether you are fresh face, full glam, wherever you fall, you have probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. It's the one in that turquoise tube that you see all over social media. So Thrive Cosmetics beauty products are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, made with clean, skin-loving ingredients, high-performance and trademark formulas, and uncompromising standards. They have a lot of great products, but the one I want to focus on is the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. First of all, it lasts all day without clumping, smudging, or flaking, which 
I'm telling you right now, I have a zero tolerance policy for flaking with my mascara. Like I'm just not trying to put you on my lashes if you're going to flake. And they have a flake-free tubing formula that dramatically lengthens and defines your lashes from root to tip. So it kind of looks like lash extensions without the damaging glue or salon prices. Also super easy removal, slides right off with warm water and a washcloth, no soap required. And it has nourishing ingredients that support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It's just like very much worth the hype. I had seen it a lot. And once I tried it, I was like, oh, okay, this is why I see it everywhere. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 20% off your first order. I came to the realization recently that I was just like desperately in need of a closet clean out because you know when you're getting ready and you just can't find anything, you have so many things that you don't even wear that you can't find the stuff that you do wear and it's just like a chaotic and unenjoyable process. That was me. I'm still, to be honest with you, in the process of cleaning out, but One of the biggest game changers for me in this process has been finding just like high quality essentials that I can mix and match with anything so that I can have less things, but the things that I have, I can wear with a lot. And I've told you guys about them before, but I think that Quince is one of the best at this in terms of just finding the high quality affordable pieces. And they have a lot of really great sweaters. I love their Mongolian cashmere oversized boyfriend cardigans. I just find them to be so comfortable. I have them in a bunch of colors. They also have washable silk tops, which are amazing, like really easy, comfortable, high quality throw-ons that you can wear for so many different occasions. And the best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So the way that it works is by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes that savings onto us, which is kind of like best case scenario for all involved. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. So the other plot line of this episode, which was very dramatized, was between Courtney, Scott, and Chris, where basically Chris has a spare key to Courtney and Scott's house, just like she does to all of her kids' houses. And one day she walks in and Scott's a little bit thrown off. He feels it's kind of intrusive. He brings it up to Courtney. Courtney makes up some fake reason from Chris as to why she needs the key back. She ends up getting caught in the lie. They work it through. And and yes, the whole thing was you know, kind of contrived. However, this... I think was a little bit real in that like, you know, Scott didn't come from a big family like this. He was close with his parents, of course. I mean, he came from Jewish parents. We know we know how overbearing they can sometimes be and we love them for it. But I don't think that he had this full understanding in the way that, you know, Courtney did of just, this is how it goes. And you see, it's something that they really had to work through, even if this example was a little bit bullshit. I do think it was representative of like a, a larger familial dynamic that Scott eventually had to just get on board with and ended up being so happy to be on board with. I mean, current day Scott would love Chris Jenner to have a key to his house, but at the time it was still unfamiliar to him. Yeah. I mean, it took him a while to really navigate all of this. I mean, I can't imagine what it must be like to go from being an only child to having this many people around just all the time. And again, current day Scott, I think 
I think if Scott were to watch these episodes now, he would be like, oh my God, I would do anything to have that back. I would do anything to have not reacted like that. I would do anything to, you know, have Chris in my house and have family around all the time. But at the time I understood, I understood his, his struggles with, with navigating that. And, you know, there were ways that he could have handled that more maturely. For example, he could have said to Chris, you know, I, Courtney's okay with it. I personally am not comfortable that I wanted to come to you. And that would have been a completely different conversation, but it was something that was very clearly a part of Scott's evolution. Right. And honestly, even if we want to decenter it for a second from Scott and Courtney or this particular incident, just follow me here. What I think is really interesting is like, if you are entering the Kardashian family at this stage as a romantic partner or, you know, eventually a spouse, not to say that they are not willing to mold, of course, to make people feel comfortable, but the family's not molding around you. You are molding into the family, meaning they run their family like a business. And there's a certain way that they do things that have been perfected over the years. And part of it is they have to do things a certain way because they're just that big. And I think even at the end of the day, if net net, it's a positive and you'd so much rather be in it than not be in it. I can imagine that being a little bit of a disorienting feeling at the in the beginning of it. And so like this was on such a micro scale. It was just Chris having a key, which is something I think a lot of mother-in-laws do or would. But now- those examples would be brought to a whole new level. Oh, totally. And you know what else it is with Scott and and the family is that he wanted it. He wanted the big family element of it, but entirely on his own terms. Like he didn't want Chris to have a key, but he wanted to have game night. He wanted to have Sunday night dinners. He was thrilled to have those at the time. I know his relationship with, with the family and those things kind of ebbed and flowed over the years, but one of... Scott's biggest struggles is that he wanted it when he wanted it. And when he didn't want it, he wanted everybody to just automatically understand that that's not how he was going to operate. And that was one of the biggest struggles he had with the family. And it took him until him and Courtney were not together anymore. And honestly, until he unfortunately didn't have his parents anymore to really understand that like being able to take the good and the bad in these situations is better than not having it at all. Right. But again, let's remove Scott for a second. If you are a new person coming in, and even if you are somebody that is established in your own right, like at this time, Scott Disick was only a known name because of the family, right? Right. Current day, 2023, if you are another celebrity, not the magnitude of Kardashian fame, but you're an athlete, whatever it is, and you are entering this family, there's a set of rules in terms of the way that they do things that you're going to have to get on board with. Not to say that you don't have a, a specific dynamic in your own nuclear family that you want to honor and you want, you know, whichever member you're married to, to to stand by, of course. But generally speaking, there's a loyalty that they have to the family, maybe even at times above to like the person. And I think that that's a, a thing you got to navigate. It's a, it's, it really is a conscious decision when you're marrying into something like that, even though I think 10 out of 10 times, the person would say that it's overwhelmingly a win. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. It's like my grandma always used to say to me, you don't marry a person, you marry a family, which is true, but probably never more true than when put in the context of the Kardashians. True. Which is why they've struggled with relationships over the years. For sure. It has to play a factor. At both struggled and then also both been such an enticing factor to people. Like I think some people coming in, oh, holy shit, how fun is this? For Corey, for example, 
yeah, it would be amazing being married to Chris Jenner no matter what, but I think Corey has the time of his life having like a built-in just a team of fun. Like I think to him, it's best case scenario. If I'm being honest, I think Tristan did too. I think that, you know, there's so many times where we've spoken about why Chloe kept going back to him, but there's always the conversation to be had of if he was going to keep fucking her over repeatedly, why did he keep coming back? Like, why was it worth it for him? And of course there was the element of Chloe herself that was so, you know, he wanted to have his cake and eat it too. But I think for Tristan also, he loved being around the family. He remember that season where they're in Malibu and they're not fully back together yet. And he was there all the time coming and hanging out with Scott and hanging out with all of them. That was Tristan's happiest place. And so it is even crazier on top of the fact that he fucked things up so badly with Chloe that he fucked things up so badly with the family. Oh my God. Paris Hilton had a baby. What? Look. Where? Twitter or Instagram? Instagram. Paris Hilton, photo of her holding the baby's hand. You are already loved beyond words. (gasps) Oh, my God. Wow. I love when news breaks while we're recording. This was so amazing. I know. I'm so shook. Oh, my God. You know that Carter is losing it. (laughs) He's probably like. Oh, my God. Yeah. Holy shit. Wow. Congratulations, Paris. I know how badly she wanted this. Yeah, me too. Oh my God. I'm so happy for her. I'm so happy. I for love her. any kid that's brought into the world and gets to find out that Paris Hilton is their mom and Kathy Hilton is their grandma. What a day to be born. I can't believe that we started this episode by like fantasizing about a Nicole Richie Paris Hilton skims campaign and we ended it with Paris Hilton's birth announcement. That is a crazy ride to go that, on. Life comes at you fast. It really does. I'm obviously scrolling uncontrollably trying to find the Nicole Richie comment because I feel like that would just be – talk about a full circle moment, no? And I know it would be funny. I really hope that happens. Yeah, me too. Okay, we'll pick up next week with episode three. And I think that's it. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. I'll be back later this week for Bravo with Isabel. And then and I will be back next week. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.